Hello and welcome to the Get Spanish Football News podcast. My name's Tommy Hay and I'm joined in Madrid, as always, by the Editor-in-Chief of GSFN, Kieran Quayle. Has it been another another busy week for you, Kieran? Very busy this week again, Tommy. Yeah, all the transfers are, are coming in on a daily basis. Rumours, officials, it's it's all happening. So, And then we've got this midweek uh, round of fixtures as well in La Liga. So plenty to be excited about and the transfer window is going for another seven days so we're we're stuck in the middle of it all at the minute you sort of prompted my next question which was uh, i've seen a lot of people on twitter spanish people really complaining about the fact that this has been the longest transfer window in the history of, of football are you sick of it yet no i love it to be honest and the fact that there's still a few signings up in the air uh players still being linked with the same club months on and and still no kind of change you're kind of expecting a few busy days over the next week so i think um we can get excited about a few different signings but there's still a lot to be done i think agents players clubs they're all working hard now at the minute Mm. to get them over the line so it's all happening i think there there probably is a certain aspect of of fatigue with one or two definitely we mentioned this last week the the thomas party one for example that's just one where you are almost sick of hearing about it but a lot of interesting ones uh, going on we'll gradually talk about these as we as we sort of advance with the with the show but uh start off i want to talk about atletico because that was absolutely flying start for them and granada brought back down the earth totally hammered 6-1 at the wonder Uh, what did you make of that game yeah, we definitely didn't expect this one. Uh, Leddy scoring six um, is pretty rare as well. So the fact that Granada have been so good over the last year, getting into the Europa League and starting the season pretty well. Atletico had a really bad couple of weeks with Simeone self-isolating at home, uh, Jose Maria Jimenez getting COVID as well. So it wasn't ideal preparation for them, but we saw Luis Suarez come in and you were kind of expecting him to score. But not to have the debut that he did ha- did have and, and scoring two goals on that debut, um, he was very, very impressive. So yeah, it was a, definitely a surprise result, mm. but a good result. And um, Simeone was back on the sideline, so he, he's back in with the team now as well. And a uh, nice start to their season, scoring six. They're looking absolutely electric and it's just such an exciting time to be, to be watching Atletico, just such an exciting time to be following them. Um, I don't really know where to start here. Yeah, I suppose you've got to start with a, an article that you published just there about whether Suarez and uh, and Costa can play together because Costa had a very good game as well. He looked in the mood. Um, are the two of them compatible? This is the, this is the big thing that the, the Athletic fans are now talking about. How do you get these two playing together? Yeah, that's the thing that's on everyone's mind at the moment because you have Joao Felix there. Obviously, Morata has left the club. And you know you've got two strikers in their in their thirties. Costa hasn't been great since he returned to Atletico. He's never really kicked on in the way that Simeone would have hoped. So yeah, you know it's an absolute nightmare for defenders coming up against those two. They're just um, ruthless, and obviously Suarez is going to be in good form and, and full of confidence now after his two goals. Costa's future is still kind of up in the air. There's talk of Edison Cavani coming in, but that would mean that Costa would, would be leaving the club. So I don't know, over the next couple of days, we, we'll know more about that. But they're playing Wesca on, on Wednesday night. We're recording this on Tuesday. And in Simeone's pre, pre-match uh, press conference, he basically said that he thinks that both of them can play together up front, that, that Suarez and Costa are both very good strikers. And he said they're different. He said Diego's different to Luis because he makes more runs out wide into space. Um, Suarez's movements are shorter, kind of in the box with more link-up play. 
but he reckons that together they can they can actually do damage so yeah it'll be interesting to see whether he does play them against Wesca. Um, but yeah Suarez coming in full of confidence Simeone believes in him as well and bit of a bit of a contrast to what he would have felt when Ronald Koeman said uh, you're not no longer in my in my plans here at Barcelona that's it it's like a new lease of life for him and uh, he definitely looks definitely looks up for it just you kind of always knew he was going to have an alright debut just just uh, after everything that happened he, he came in off the bench just looked completely in the mood got himself an assist as well for Llorente's goal so he's, he's creating stuff as well and that's the thing that have, uh, the, also with Costa for Angel Correa's goal lovely little dummy he did and he just you know he, he just looks so fired up so I think the, they've really got the, the wind sort of behind them and yeah very very interesting they've got a very strong bench as well just looking at the, the guys that they brought on Party. Uh, Llorente, uh, Lamar. I know he's not been a, he's not exactly brought the house down, but you know he's still, still, you know, not bad to bring that guy off the bench. Vitolo as well, all, all coming off the bench. So looks as well. Just getting into the transfer rumors about uh, Torreira. He looks like he could be on his way. Just again, Tuesday night yeah. we're, we're recording this, but it mm. looks like he's probably on his way. Yeah. So his agent is in Madrid at the moment and looking to do a deal they're in talks with Atletico at the moment Arsenal are and, and basically both clubs are trying to get this deal across the line the whole Thomas Party thing has been running on for several months but at the moment that's still a bit um, up in the air and, and you know it's it's hard to know what's going to happen there because Atletico are insisting that uh, the only way Party will leave is that if his 50 million euro release clause is activated and paid in one go as opposed to actually an instalment so that's going to be hard for any club to do with the with the current economic situation and probably Arsenal would struggle to come up with that so yeah the fact that this Torreira one is moving is kind of an interesting one but it seems like it's a separate case from the Thomas Partey uh, transfer case so that's you know that would be a good addition to Atletico's midfield and if they're able to keep Partey in there as well they're going to be looking really strong in the middle would be but where do they all fit in as well because mm. you've got Sal and Koke they started the match in centre midfield uh, the other day at the weekend and you know, very difficult to kind of sort of take one of them out. Uh, so it's, yeah, Torreira, I think, is very much, we mentioned this last week, he's very much a Simeone player, kind of no-nonsense, very he's tough, tough player, and uh, I think he's exactly what they would need. And he's Uruguayan as well, they've got that South American kind of thing. You'll be able thing. to share a mate with Luis Suarez. <laughs> share a mate, that's it. Uh, also, good news about Jimenez, it looks like he's going to be left alone. Yeah, supposedly... Man City made an offer there and you know I've, I've heard conflicting reports but Atletico's president Enrique Cerezo saying that they've rejected a bid from Man City and that it would have been 120 million or nothing for, for Jimenez so they've obviously gone out and signed Ruben Diaz Man City so it looks like the Jimenez is going to stay which would be which would be crucial for them obviously like he's, he's still relatively young but he's so experienced because he came in there quite young at Atletico and he learned his trade alongside his countryman Diego Godin so he's he's a real crucial part of their team and as I said if Partey stays and then you've got Suarez coming in it's it's a pretty strong lineup for them going forward yep okay Barcelona good start for them as well after all the the madness pre-season and all the pessimism and they too it seems like a little while ago now but it really wasn't you know it was fairly recently where it just looked that the club couldn't sink any lower what a change the other night up against Emery's Villarreal not the best night for, for Villarreal but mm. just Andrew Fati was uh, definitely the star of the show scored two goals won, won the penalty for Messi and uh, yeah well, how, how, just how good is he? Yeah for 17 it's kind of frightening yeah. how good he, he is and he's holding this responsibility now as one of their main forwards 
coming in and his his finishing the other night was incredible like just the the accuracy but also the power he's getting behind these finishes and he's, he's flying because he scored in his Spanish debut his full debut recently against the Ukraine so he's you know his confidence is flying but he looks like a kid that's kind of down to earth and he's got his feet on the ground and obviously going to be surrounded by the likes of Messi who will will guide him along and some more experienced players in there the likes of Busquets and that but yeah he's he's loving life at the minute and what a start from Barca like to go 4-0 up at half time uh, it was obviously like the, the game was over at that stage Unai Emery has a pretty bad record at the, the Camp Nou that's 10 defeats in 10 in La Liga for him against Barcelona at Camp Nou so he probably went there uh, hoping he'd get his first ever win but it didn't happen and yeah it's a new Villarreal team with Parejo Coquelin Kubo coming in, lots of, lots, lots of new players coming in. It's probably going to take them a while to gel, maybe maybe longer than we expected because you, you see this quality coming in and you just expect it to click straight away. But it's yeah. a new manager, it's a new start in 11, and Barca were, were impressive. Yeah, they were good. I, I think they were just a little bit off the boil as well. I mean, Pau Torres going an own goal and stuff. It just mm. they, weren't, they were not at the races at all. So interesting what you said there about Fatih seeming to kind of have his, his feet on the ground Guillermo Amor came out after the game and said that as well the, the former player he was in the dream team and all that he he's the, the spokesperson for Barcelona now and he, he came out after the game saying this guy's the future of the club and I'm not worried about him at all getting carried away with fame or whatever because he's very kind of yeah. seems to have his feet on the ground uh, I definitely get that impression with him as well yeah. Amor also came out to sort of um, I don't know what, what the expression would be but to kind of calm people down because Messi has been rumoured that he's really, really not happy about the Suarez thing, about Suarez leaving. Yeah. He's he's been very vocal about it in the dressing room and things, and uh, be interesting to see how that's reflected on the pitch over the next few weeks. But he, he played played well, scored a penalty in that, and uh, Guillermo more came out after the game saying, "Messi is don't don't you need to be worried about Messi? This is a guy that lives and breathes Barca. It's uh, he is going to say that, isn't he? He's not. Of course, yeah. He's not going to come out and be like." Ah, he's raging. Yeah. <laughs> we all we all know what Messi's really really thinking behind the scenes. Like his his interview recently with Goal, mm-hmm. you know, like his we all know his opinions and we know Suarez's opinion as well. So it's like it's easy to say these things, but it's it's another thing believing them. And yeah, also a debut for Pedri the other night. He's even younger than Ansu Fati. He's uh, mm-hmm. three weeks younger than him, and he looks like a brilliant player as well. He was with Las Palmas. A uh, very exciting midfielder who's also played for Spain at underage level. So, yeah, you've got a lot of older members in that squad, but you've got some nice young talent coming through as well. Uh, Trincao and Pjanic, they come in for debuts as well. So, alongside Coleman there as as a new face to the club, it's it's a lot better than some people would think, I suppose. And we can talk about all the off-the-field issues and stuff, but that was a good start for Barcelona because there would have been pressure to get a, a result for Koeman as well and it'll be interesting to see how they go how do you think Koeman's been managing all this kind of stuff because he came in very much sort of heavy handed mm. and you were thinking is it going to be a sort of like Tim Sherwood at Spurs kind of thing you know just coming and slagging everybody off and you know just having a go at people and things I, I would have bet on that just based on the first week or two that he had there but he seems to be he sort of just kind of I think he's steadied the ship a little bit he seems to be mm. like would that be fair to say? I don't know. I think he's doing a, an alright job at kind of keeping things reasonably calm or at least less of a circus than what it was uh, under setting in. Yeah, well, he knows what he wants and he's, he's gotten rid of the players that he wanted to get rid of. That's part of the job in management and 
you're going to be liked by some players, other players you leave out. You're, you're not going to be liked on, on a weekly basis and they're going to be questioning your decisions. So it's going to be very hard for him to keep everyone happy as it is for any manager. But Coutinho the other night came in and he was obviously with Bayern Munich and couldn't get a look in under previous managers. So he's making his own decisions and he's going to make his his own starting eleven um, as the week's pass and, and he'll get a, a feel for how he wants to play obviously he's got his, his own philosophy and stuff but he, he'll get a feel of how he wants to introduce these younger players with some older players mix it up maybe start Pjanic um, and it'll be curious to see how he how he goes about it because there are some changes there in terms of players coming in and he's going to have his own new system which looks like a 4-2-3-1 mm-hmm. so he probably needs Obviously, Fadi's going to come in with goals this season, but he probably needs Antoine Griezmann to step up as well to give Messi a hand um, if they are to push for the title because it's still very it's very early days with Koeman. But yeah, he's definitely making his, his changes. How do you think Griezmann will be feeling about the fact that Suarez is gone? I mean, like Messi's obviously not happy, that's well documented, but mm. Griezmann, is he going to have more of a chance now? He might be secretly happy, yeah. He'll become more of a focal point, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, might even lead the line through the middle in his preferred position because Koeman did say prior to the season starting when he when he took over in an interview with a Dutch outlet, he said that Griezmann was played in the wrong position. He's not a winger. And I suppose from those comments, you can expect him to play through the middle because you've got Fatty wide and you've got Messi maybe dropping in behind as well. So Griezmann could become the focal point. It looks like they don't have the money to buy Memphis Depay. Um, the, yeah, yeah. the the Leon president basically came out and said that he was speaking to Bartomeu, that they're friends. And the Bartomeu has said that they don't have the funds. They don't have the 25 million euro to buy Depay. So his contract is up in 2021 at Leon, And it's possible that Leon will even reduce it to below 25 million, which Barca could then afford. But he would be coming in as a number nine. If he doesn't come in, Griezmann, you'd imagine, would be the focal point. Role, yeah, yeah, the number nine. I didn't even know whether to talk about this one. But now that you've mentioned Depay, we might as well talk about Dembele. This is right before you came to my house tonight. It just came up and I thought, should we even talk about this? Uh, Dembele possibly off to United. What's, it's just so early yeah. we can talk about this, but it's quite, it's quite significant. Yeah, really early. It looks like Man United are starting to panic now with a few days to go and they're being linked with Usman Dembele. They're being linked with Luka Jovic as well, mm. Real Madrid Serbian striker. This is all in the last couple of hours. Yeah. And uh, Fabrizio Romano is saying that United would only consider a loan deal for Dembele, which I'm not surprised because he's done nothing for the last 12 months. He's been injured all the time, but he's also getting a lot of criticism for his... I don't know, lack of discipline maybe. That's his lifestyle. Is- yeah, turning up late for training and different things. So if United are doing their, their research properly, I, I'd be surprised if they considered him because one thing that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does is he, he checks the background of each player, what they're like. He, he tends to go through players and talk to players to get understandings about like mm-hmm. players they play with at national team level or with, or with previous clubs to get a real insight. So I, I would be surprised if United went and got Dembele, not just because of his injuries, but because of how he's uh, leading his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently his diet's shocking as well. Just, mm-hmm. just add that to the mix. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the would you, you wouldn't like to see him there. I wouldn't like to see him there, yeah. no. I think he'd be blaming the traffic around Carrington for his 15 minutes. Love it. You know. <laughs> and what about Jovic? 
Jovic, Jovic hasn't scored goals. He hasn't got the chance at Madrid. He's obviously a good striker. Like they signed him for 50 million in 2019 from Eintracht Frankfurt, and he's been on the bench for most of that time because Benzema is leading the line. He started Jovic. Zidane started Jovic against. Betis there at the weekend and maybe because of all the fuss in the media over where he's going to go he said well listen I'll give you one last chance mm. uh, you're on your way out but here go go and prove me wrong yeah. which he didn't uh, he, did, he didn't he didn't do much against Betis on the weekend so yeah I think it could be it could be a question of United panicking and they're looking at Barca Madrid players but these players have been on the periphery mm-hmm. over the last year and they wouldn't be coming in with confidence or any form yeah, you also wonder who's who's driving that if, if Jovic is indeed linked with uh, United for what you said about the way Solskjaer does view players and what he'd be looking for because Jovic has had his own problems with discipline. Obviously, the, the famous case of him going back to, to Serbia when he shouldn't have gone and then gone out to nightclubs and stuff. I know he's a young guy and stuff, but mm. if, uh, if Solskjaer is, is actually looking for that kind of profile of, of player of a disciplined sort of player who's going to have a mature head on him, uh, it's not not going to be of it. So, um, let's talk about Betis and Madrid. We can't not uh, talk about the the controversy, but I'd like to just start talking about the game because it was a cracker. Betis to Madrid three. Um, before we get into the controversy surrounding the bar, what did what did you make of each team's performance in this game? I thought it was a very good game. It had everything: uh, five goals, a red card, an own goal. It was just missing 54,000 people at a packed out yeah. Benito Villa Marine because it's, it's one of the more spectacular stadiums in Spain and it's got a, a fan base there like no other really. Mm. They, they make a fantastic noise every time they play, so especially against Real Madrid. Betis beat Madrid in March 2-1, so they're, they were going in pretty confident, I suppose. They knew they could beat them and it's, it's pretty much the same team at Betis, so they would have been really up for it before the game. Uh, Madrid got the early goal through Fede Valverde. And then Betis really took the game by storm and, and they were really good in the second stage of the first half and, and they got back into it 2-1. So yeah, they they looked great under Pellegrini and I thought um, in midfield they were very good. William Carvalho, uh, Guido Rodriguez. Great goal by Carvalho. Yeah, I thought Courtois could have maybe kept it out but he, he got enough power behind it. Yeah, he sort of hits it so hard that it's yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah, I think that Betis are def- definitely a different team uh, under Pellegrini than the were with, with Ruby last year. Uh, but Pellegrini came out after the game and he was obviously devastated about what happened. I've actually got the article up here. During the uh, game. What was it he said? So he, he basically just says uh, the, the sort of the combination of yeah, penalty, red card, VAR and Real Madrid together is too much. Yeah. <laughs> too much for us, obviously. It's yeah. just it's a kind of perfect storm against them. That's the Vanguardia reporting that, so they've that's a kind of Barcelona based newspaper and they're I think they're very sympathetic towards what Pellegrini had to say. Let's get into the, the controversy. It's really two decisions. You'd think it was more, but it was really two big decisions. Um, let's talk about the first one involving Emerson, which is his, his red card. He had a terrible second half because he's yeah, but um, yeah, the what did you make of this? I'll 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 let you know what I think after after yeah. the game. Yeah, when when Jovic is running through, it's literally he's one on one with Joel Robles, and you think he's going to take it around and whatever, and then he falls down, and I I couldn't see anything, and I I still can't see from from any real camera angle. I can't see the touch by Emerson. Uh, on Jovic to bring him down you know it's it's minimal if it is there so unfortunately he's last man he yeah, gets a red he gets a red card because he's he's last man but I mean it's so soft yeah 
and you're thinking, okay, if he doesn't touch him, Jovic goes around the keeper and slots it in. So, okay, he, he, he's getting the red card, but I thought it was pretty harsh. I think I, I, I couldn't I couldn't find the camera angle to, to no. see to see the contact. It, it, it looked so soft. Earlier that day, I watched Brighton against United, and Connolly had a very similar thing where the penalty was actually given and then kind of like overturned. Uh-huh. He uh, sort of sticks his leg back into... I don't know who the United defender was, but he sort of sticks his leg back into... Maguire. With Maguire. For me, it's not a penalty. And the English referee looked at that and decided that it wasn't a penalty, and the Spanish one gave it. Uh-huh. But I thought they were very similar instance, and yeah, for me, I couldn't see that one. And obviously, a shame for, for Emerson getting a getting a red card and that really really changed the game um, very soon afterwards get instant number two which is Bartra now again uh, I think me and you are going to be on the same page with this I would love to disagree with you more <laughs> I really would but like I, I think um, this just wasn't wasn't a penalty again <laughs> just can't see it no no like he, he kind of falls into the ball and it hits his shoulder area yeah and obviously there's pressure coming from Borja Mayoral who's who's in on goal ready to strike Bartra gets in the way mm-hmm. and again I just I, I can't see I can't see how it's given no. and it's really frustrating for Betis but upsteps Sergio Ramos and you just know he's not going to miss and he, and he pe- Penenka right down the middle and in all competitions that's 24 penalties in a row Bayern for, for was, him. was the last one he missed I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the last one he missed was, but it could, could be. Yeah, but he's just and he had a free kick um, right after Emerson was sent off that mm. just skimmed the post, just whizzed by the post. I forget he's a centre back sometimes because just the way he hits these free kicks and penalties, you forget he's actually a defender. He's like the hero from the hero of his mm. generation, like just like frightening amount of goals for a defender. Frightening, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Mayoral there. He's going to be. Uh, staying after all yeah it looks like he's going to stay reporting Diario asked this evening saying that he's decided to stay he'd been linked with moves to Serie A clubs Roma and Lazio and also Valencia he'd be on he'd been on loan at Levante for the last couple of seasons so he's yeah it looks like he's going to stay which means that Jovic could be off because Mm. they don't have many up front Uh, Zidane clearly doesn't trust Mariano uh, hasn't given much game time to Jovic so obviously he's thinking if, if Jovic is heading out on loan for the season I need to keep somebody else mm. in case Benzema gets injured Benzema was great the other night um, as, he, as he normally is smashed that one off the bar most of the ball was over the line yeah. but obviously it has to be the full ball over the line but um, he was great link up play was quality I thought the Madrid starting lineup was um, a strange one it was very narrow in the middle like he played with no Hazard or Asensio because they were injured but no no Vinicius either so there was no real width it was like a narrow with um, Odegaard at, at the front of the four in the middle Casemiro wasn't great he'd come in to start because he, he was left out for, for Real Sociedad on, on week one and then you had um, Cruz who went off injured he's going to be out for 10 to 15 days and, and Modric came in for him so it was a bit of a strange sort of lineup with no real width but the width came from Ferland Mendy and Carvajal and Carvajal ended up setting up that own goal by, mm. by Emerson so they were getting plenty of, of wit um, from the two full backs but played quite narrow which is kind of unlike a Zidane team but that's because he played with two strikers in Jovic and Benzema which he very very rarely does yeah. and we probably won't see that uh, too, too often, often this season especially if, if Jovic leaves 
Yeah, but Benzema, Benzema can kind of do any kind of job for you because he, he provided the assist for. Um, ah. the first yeah, Thierry Valverde. Yeah, Valverde, yeah. Valverde just the uh, goal. You know, he, he provides the assist for that, and he's, he can do that as well. He's really just. Yeah. You don't want to say he's underrated, do you? Because he's not. I think he does get does get the praise, but he's sort of forgotten about in the min- in in the midst of, like kind of all the other sort of stars in the league. He's just so unbelievably consistent as a player. Yeah, yeah Benzema, and he again seems to be getting better with age. Um, you mentioned Hazard he's been getting a bit of flack in the in the press he seems to be now that Bale's gone it looks like he's going to be the new <laughs> the new public enemy number one Zidane yeah. um, said he's close to return that he's going to be fully fit hopefully he said he's prepared and he's training with the team the issue is that he hasn't been able to train much but now he's training regularly and we all know how much of the Madrid fans hate it when their players are injured because they either don't believe them or they just think it's some kind of fault of their own um, do you think maybe this season it could be this could be a similar story for, for Hazard to what it was oh, for Bill? I really hope not because he's such a good player and it would be a real shame to see him not pick up the form that we're expecting him to pick up and he, he was really unlucky in, in his opening season at Madrid like with injuries and, and lack of form as well so I think he, he really needs to sort himself out this season and get back and he's in the squad for the game this week against Real Valladolid and so is Asensio so I don't know he might get minutes this week um, and he needs minutes under his belt basically and, and to get match fit again scoring goals and assisting goals like we know he can do so yeah I think um, that'll be that'll be a good one for Zidane to be able to, to test yeah. in the next few weeks mentioning Zidane I am thinking of stopping watching Zidane's press conferences because you really do not learn too much from him do you he's very vacuous uh, he doesn't give much away he just, just kind of just says what has to be said just the bare minimum he's a very cool man though yeah he is cool yeah. he does yoga does he I found that out from yeah. someone <laughs> he's very very zen but uh, no, he does seem does seem calm enough he probably took it up after he headbutted Matarazzi maybe he does like meditation before the press conferences yeah like in, in between the end of the game and the press conference and then he, he, he just he comes out with nothing then yeah he's just in kind of zen mode but he really doesn't doesn't say much like it's uh, although he got a little bit a little bit animated uh, the other day because again the press are asking him what, about what signings he's going to bring in and stuff and he says listen got enough players don't need any more we're already like packed Yeah. the decision that he has to make is who, who not to play it's yeah. the, the, the kind of old football cliche it's, it's a good headache to have yeah. is, is the one that Zidane has so you know I, I think this, the squad still looks pretty strong there plenty of options Just you just think that they need a number nine Yeah. because Benzema's not getting any younger they're going to have plenty of games. But yeah, they've gotten rid of plenty this season, uh, be it loan deals or, or sales as well. So he's definitely reduced the size of the squad, which would have been the plan because he, he had a squad of 34 at the start of last season. So he, he needed to, to cut that big time. Yeah. And and he's done that. So yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see if they actually go and sign somebody in the next few days because I, I think they do need a backup striker. Borja Mayoral's coming in, but he doesn't have any big numbers with Levante or in La Liga and he's 23 now so you know it would be time for him to kick Still on up, yeah. but I don't know if he has it in him for Real Madrid level no I think that's kind of what most people think so mm-hmm. uh, any other transfer things that you want to talk about just because I think this will be our second last or our final week before it finally finishes the, the transfer window uh, anything yeah. else going on there is another Luis Suarez potentially joining the oh, league yes. it's it's not the Uruguayan Luis it's the Colombian Luis who was fantastic last season at Real Zaragoza scoring 19 goals so he's attracted interest from several teams and it looks like Granada are going to snap him up he's actually passed his medical there 
in Andalusia and it looks like he'll join on a five-year deal for a fee of up to 15 million euro this is from Watford so he's a very good player and he'll definitely offer some youth going forward because we know that they've got uh, Soldado up top and also got Jorge Molina there as well boys in their mid-30s so um, Suarez is, is, is just 22 and he'll come in and hopefully help them in, in the Europa League and maybe push for another top 10 again this season mm-hmm. um, but yeah we've got two Luis Suarez now both strikers both South American so it's quite, it's quite a common name mm. the, the, the old uh, the, the, the Galician one that played for uh, played for Spain he was like one of the, one of the record goal scorers I think he was number five or six. He was Luis Suarez as well in 1964, won the European Cup with him. He's just right. a dead common footballing name. Mm. Um, okay, and uh, finally, well, yeah, we were, again, I wasn't really sure whether to mention this one, but the Real de Tomas one, you, we had an article on Get Spanish Football News about mm. that. What's going on with Real de Tomas Espanol to Sevilla? Yeah, he, he's been offered, but it looks like it's pretty early. If, if there is a deal going to be done, there hasn't been much movement from Sevilla on this one. Um, Lopetegui wants another striker he's got Luke de Jong up there um, and he supposedly wants a striker that's going to offer a little bit more speed in and around the box so De Tomas is only he's only 25 he just got relegated with Espanyol to Segunda but he's got a profile of a Primera striker so there's a couple of clubs being linked with him at the moment and Sevilla are one of them they're Europa League champions, so they're by no means a bad team. Uh, they beat Cadiz 3-1 there on the weekend, and, and obviously last season we saw that they suffered really in front of goal. Um, they're very, very strong at the back, and they've got a good midfield, but up top they pro- could probably do another striker, so I think they're in the market for that, and we know what Manchi's like, he's a whiz in the transfer market, so I'm sure Manchi's going to be on the phone flat out over the next few days. So yeah, I, I, would, I would be surprised if Raul de Tomas stayed in Segunda. And he didn't get a move yeah. in this window to La Liga. De Jong sort of sums up that paradox that is Sevilla because all last season we were talking about how they do struggle in front of goal, how the goal difference compared to the teams that were around them, the goal difference was similar to the teams right at the bottom of the table. Mm. Uh, but they had a really successful season in the in the Champions League. They won the, the Europa League in that. And De Jong sort of sums up this whole thing because he scored at crucial times, scored in the semi-final. He scored two in the final, which isn't you know you wouldn't consider that to be a, a failure by any means, but just I think the general feeling is you take away those goals, you take away those goals, it's uh, it's very much a I don't think the Sevilla fans will be particularly happy with him because it's eleven he's got. We yeah, that was there. But big goals against Betis, Europa League final. Scored the Bernabeu. Yeah, yeah. Big, against Real Madrid. Big goals. Interesting. And uh, lastly, Serginho Dest. I need to figure out how to pronounce that name. Serginho? Serginho? Serginho Dest. Serginho yeah. Dest. Okay. Yeah, on his way to Barcelona. Five-year deal. Should be confirmed in the next day or two. Um, Barca have beaten off competition from Bayern Munich for a signature. He's 19. A right back. Obviously, they've gotten rid of Nelson Semedo. He went to Wolves for 35 million. So, Barca are, are getting this one done. And it looks like he's agreed terms with the with the club already and he'll he'll be a good addition again more more youth coming in mm. to uh, an agent Barca squad so it'll be interesting to see what he's like going forward yeah very interesting yeah it was early earlier on Tuesday it was confirmed that, that Bayern just were out, out of the picture so yeah. I think we all kind of knew that he was 
either either staying put or going to Barca. You know, yeah, he's, he's on his way to Barca supposedly. Very yeah. good, excellent. What do you think about Semedo? Just 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 to finish, Semedo is he going to he going to do well? Semedo at Wolves. Yeah. He's got big boots to fill with Matt Doherty leaving there. Matt Doherty's a Wolves and Ireland. Well, not an Ireland legend because he hasn't played very yeah. much for Ireland, but he's definitely a Wolves legend. Yeah. And he joined from Bohemians in Ireland. So yeah, I think Semedo will go in there and. Um, yeah, he's a, he's an attacking fullback. I think he he should get more credit than he deserves because he was linked with every move out of the camp. Now it was horrible, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, just every single because it seemed to be the the, the board. I don't think it was necessarily uh, Valverde or Setien were 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 pushing for it, but it seemed that the board were only prepared to sell him if it was part of some kind of intricate swap deal. And it was just kind of you did feel sorry for him when, mm. he, when he was a bust. So it was good to to see him actually get a move and hopefully be able to crack on. So. Mm. Okay, well, uh, we'll leave it there for today. We'll be commenting on the midweek games and the weekend fixtures in next week's podcast. Until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your, your week and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Hasta luego.